Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Colin, uh, there's a story that Jesus told about a, a farmer who had a brilliant harvest one year. He brought in loads of crops, so much so that they actually filled up all the barns that this guy owned. But rather than doing what many would have done, like thanking God for the harvest and uh, planning a party and um, selling some of it, spending some of the money, having a good time with it, he thought, oh, wow, I've got a bit of a situation here. I need more barns. I want to um, store up more next year. So he built bigger barns and the same thing happened. He managed to fill them all. And then the next year, he built even bigger barns again. And uh, every year, this was the story of what was going on with him. He'd be uh, bringing in so many crops, but he wouldn't be making use of them. He'd just be hoarding them away, storing them up and storing them up and storing them up. And then there came a point, like years down the line, where he's like, wow, now I've got loads of stuff. I'm going to eat and drink and be merry. I'm going to enjoy it all. Uh, Jesus says the response to him was like, hey, you fool, like you've wasted your whole life building up more and more and more stuff for yourself. And today's actually the end of your life. It's the day you're going to die and you finally realize this. Well, at the first church that I was ever a part of when I was a student, there was a guy who went to that church uh, who we called Duncan the Ledge because his name was Duncan and he was an absolute ledge. And what happened with Duncan is he was uh, a manager uh, at a big London bank. So uh, he was in his um, mid-40s and he got this kind of chief executive role for one of the banks. A really um, sought after position. He was uh, very well paid. He had uh, the power to do a lot of things. And the bank had thought by giving a guy his age, this position, he was going to spend the next 10, 15 years uh, really driving things forward for them. And then eventually uh, he would retire. Well, uh, Duncan the Ledge, he was reading uh, Bible stories to his kids one night. And uh, in, in the kids' Bible, the story that they came across is the one I've just told you about the guy who built bigger and bigger barns. And Duncan, as he was reading this story, was just like struck by the Holy Spirit as he realized, wow, this story, it's about me. This is what I've been doing. I've been getting promotion after promotion. I've been earning more and more money. And I've kind of just been storing it away. And I haven't been making the most of it. And so in light of that moment when he was reading the Bible to his kids, Duncan actually decided he was going to quit his job. He was going to take an early retirement, even in his mid-40s. And he was going to use the money that he had saved. He was going to use the time that he had left, uh, spending it with his family traveling a bit but also serving in the church and serving in other things that he felt that God was calling him into and he was going to use his life not just to build up more and more but actually to make the most of what God had given him. There's another story that I came across uh, this last week uh, by Tolstoy uh, about a Russian czar and this uh, czar was sick and um, he gathered all his advisors and all his wise men around him and they, they were all kind of discussing what they could do to see the Tsar restored to health. And kind of this old wise man, like the, the oldest guy, the most senior guy in the group, he said, if we can find the shirt of a happy man and have the Tsar put it on, he will recover his health. So they said, okay, let's try that then. So uh, they went throughout the kingdom looking for a happy man. 
but they struggled to find one. Everybody that they came across had something that they were complaining about. Those who had money were, were sick, or those who were healthy were poor, or those who were rich and healthy, they were complaining about their marriages, or complaining about their kids, or complaining about their neighbours. Everyone had something that they were taking issue with. But late one night, one of the Tsar's sons was uh, strolling along in a forest. And he came across this uh, little shack. And as he was walking near to it, he could hear a prayer being said within the shack. And, and the prayer said, thank you, Lord. I have worked and finished. I have eaten and nourished myself. Now I will go to bed. What else could I ask for? And he realized that in this shack was a happy man so uh, he got his team his his soldiers around him and he said we need to get that shirt you know i'll make available as much money as needs be let's go uh, could you go to the door and could you offer the shirt uh, offer this man whatever he wants for his shirt so they got to the door they knocked on it and they're trying to get the attention of this guy but when he opens the door they realize that he doesn't even have a shirt to give now, those two stories that I've told you, the story of uh, this guy in Russia and the story of Duncan, you might spot a commonality between them because they're both stories of contentment. They're both stories about being happy with what you have. And yet you might also notice a difference between the two stories because the first one, Duncan's story, was a story about a, a man who had a lot and could find contentment in what he had. And that second story is about a man who didn't have very much at all, and yet he could still find contentment in what he had. And as we look at uh, this book of Philippians, we've called it the letter from lockdown, and we're at the end of it today. Actually, the theme of, of the whole book is joy, and finding joy in the Lord. And the, these last few verses particularly uh, hone in on this topic of contentment. Can we be content with what we have, whether that's a lot or whether it's not very much at all? I'm just going to read to you from Philippians chapter 4, and it'll be verses 10 to 23. If you've got a Bible, please do follow along. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So Paul's saying that he's learned the secret of contentment. And to quote J-Lo, he's learned it when he's got a little and when he has got a lot. Let's start by thinking about how to be content in times of plenty. Now, I don't know how many of us would say we're currently living in a time of plenty. That's not the kind of phrase that we often use, is it? Not many of us say things like, I'm wealthy, I'm rich, I'm loaded. We don't talk in that way. But we have other words for saying the same thing. We'd say, I'm doing all right for myself. I'm comfortable. I'm reasonably well off. These are the kind of words we'd use. But if any of that applies, that's kind of what we're talking about here. I would suspect that very few of us uh, who are listening to this uh, have had to pray, give us this day our daily bread in a way that literally depended on God for the answer. How many of us have thought, I'm not going to eat today? Now, maybe some of us have. Many of us haven't been in that situation. In the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, the Pharaoh had a dream that there'd be uh, seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And those years of plenty didn't mean that everybody had loads and loads of spare cash. It just meant that the harvest was there, there was enough to eat for today and enough to store some away for tomorrow as well. That's what we mean by at a time of plenty. Can we be content in those circumstances? Well, this passage gives us some clues how to do that. And the first one uh, to realise is actually the stuff that we have, money, possessions, material things, that they are not the source of joy. Now, the situation that we've got here is that Paul has received a gift from the church in Philippi, and that's a, a good thing. Uh, and remember, Paul was in prison. And at this time, if you were in prison, the prison didn't supply your food. You needed to have friends or relatives on the outside who would give you gifts in order for you to eat. So he was dependent, in a sense, on gifts. You couldn't just go out and buy things for yourself either. So you'd think that having received this gift, Paul would be absolutely delighted at the stuff that he has got from them. You know, I remember uh, back at the start of lockdown, can you remember when the shops were like, I uh, just kind of all the shelves were being stripped of everything. There were days that I'd come home and I was like, yeah, I've been to Tesco and I managed to get toilet roll. I managed to get hand sanitizer. I even got a little bag of rice. Like, come on, this is amazing. I'd be celebrating this stuff that I had. I'd be rejoicing in the things that I thought I might not have had, but that I did have. Well, Paul, he's not rejoicing in the stuff that he's had. Verse 10, he said, I've rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He's rejoicing. It's not so much in the stuff, it's in God. And it's in how he sees God working in the lives of the Philippian church. You see, if our source of joy is in the stuff that we have, it means in those times when we do have it, we've become possessive, we're guarding it, we're insecure about it being taken away from us. And in those times that we might not have stuff, it means we're um, unable to find joy and we've kind of just got this relentless, desperate pursuit as though it can fill a gap in our soul. So what Paul's telling us here is that it is not about seeking material things. In verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift. He's not seeking a gift from them. Now, he could have sought a gift from them. It would be well within his rights as, as an apostle, as a leader, as someone who started that church in Philippi, who's now come on hard times. He'd be well within his rights to say, come on, guys, can you help me out at this moment in time? But that's not what he's doing. He's not seeking things. I wonder how many of us spend our lives seeking more and more 
possessions. Back in the early 90s, there was a game show called Supermarket Sweep, where people would be taking a trolley uh, around this kind of emptied out supermarket, and they'd be like piling in anything they can from the shelves to fill this trolley up, and they had a certain amount of time to accumulate as much as they could. Some of us approach life in that way. We want to grab as many things as we can, as though that will make us happy. You can ask people the question, how much would it make you, how much would you need to have in order to feel rich. People who earn uh, 15,000 pound a year, on average they would answer about 25,000 a year and then I'd feel rich, then I'd feel I've got enough. But if you ask people who are on 25,000 a year, what would it take for you to feel rich like you've got enough? They tend to say probably about 40,000 a year. If you ask people on 40,000 a year, the number goes up to 60,000. As people are 60,000, they start talking about 100,000. It's always a little bit more, isn't it? A bit more than you currently have. What I need is just that bit more. And this, this is the point that Duncan the Ledge had realised that actually very few of us do. Whatever level we reach, we kind of want that next one. We want that extra. And actually just to say, no, what I've got is good. I'll appreciate that. I'll enjoy it. Now, I'm not saying here don't earn money and I'm not saying don't save money. They're good things to do. But what we are saying is don't make the purpose of your life the pursuit of stuff. I wonder what for you might be an equivalent decision to that one that Duncan the Ledge made to leave that well-paid job. You know, I've had a couple of moments in my life that I felt God calling me to do something with my time and that I couldn't get paid a lot of money for. And I've left decent paid jobs or opportunities of decent paid jobs to go after a thing that I think God wants me to do. I think it's important to be ready to do that, isn't it? Be ready to lay down whatever needs laying down to go after God. You see, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, many of us um, will have those two things as rivals for our heart. That's the point that Jesus is making. We can go after money, but wouldn't it be better to go after God? The, the two are in competition. Whether we've got a little or a lot, if money is the thing that we pursue in life to make us happy, then we'll never fill that void because we'll never get enough. There'll still be something lacking. But if we go after God, whether we have much possessions or little possessions, something will be satisfied in our soul. Why? Because it's been described as a God-shaped hole. It can only be filled by God. It's as we pursue him, as we know him, that contentment is found. In Roald Dahl's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Grandpa Joe says to Charlie, there's plenty of money out there. They print more every day. But this ticket, there's only five of them in the whole world. And that's all there's ever going to be. Only a dummy would give this up for something as common as money. Are you a dummy? Going after God and his glory and his presence, that's the real golden ticket in life. That's worth so much more than anything. And so Grandpa Joe's question would apply to us. And Paul in this passage shows that he's no dummy. In verse 20, he gives his answer. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He knows what's most important. He knows that God's glory is so much more valuable than stuff. He's no dummy. I guess the question is, am I and are you? 
once we get this piece in place once we see that it's all about god not about stuff it means we can enter into something like uh, what paul and this philippian church had going on in verse 15 paul refers to a partnership in giving and receiving you see when material things don't have a grip on you there's a freedom to give generously and that's what the philippians had done they'd given here to paul's needs they'd also uh, given a lot of money to relieve the famine in jerusalem when there were believers there uh, who, who were starving and um, paul commends them for this and uh, similarly i'd want to uh, commend you guys for uh, the generosity that you shared recently with the the special offering that we did uh, raising money for uh, brothers and sisters in the developing world uh, who were adversely affected by lockdown and the pandemic going on and um, we raised way more than we've ever raised before as a church so commend you for that and thank you for that and uh, for those of you who are generous in regular giving thank you for that as well and there'd be an invitation to partner in that way and to to give to to the work of uh, of god's church in our city also as well as a freedom to give when uh, this kind of material hold isn't on you there's a freedom to receive as well and to accept the generosity of others you know recently someone i wanted to give a gift to me and, and my first instinct was to go oh no no don't do that and to make a thing of it but actually realizing that there is a partnership to be had and there's a blessedness in this person wanting to give the gift just to say thank you and to be ready to accept and receive it and again paul is similar here accepting and receiving the gift that is given and what all this does as you start to become content in plenty this helps you when you don't have much because if you start to see that your possessions your money isn't the be all and end all when you do have it then in those moments when you don't have it it becomes less of an obsession it becomes less of a missing piece of the puzzle and if you if you learn how to be content in times of need and you know actually god will provide and this isn't the worst things can be that takes away that fear factor in times of plenty of, I, I can't possibly let any of this money go so we should talk now about how to be content in times of need and again the passage has a few clues for us so the first one is not to push for the high position in verse 12 paul says i know how to be brought low you see often the reason that we would go after money and stuff isn't for the stuff itself but it's for what that stuff says about us to other people so if i wear certain clothes what will they think of me if i drive a certain car won't that impress them if i live a certain lifestyle i'll be thought of in a certain way we want to be thought of well and highly by other people it's been said that uh, we spend money on things uh, that we don't need to impress people we don't like there was a study done at warwick university recently um, called money and happiness rank of income not income affects life satisfaction that what people want isn't just to have a certain amount of money it's to have more money than person x it's about the status that it conveys and yet in this book of philippians we've already seen the example of jesus though he was in the highest place he was in the very nature god he chose to take the lowest place he humbled himself he became a man he became a servant and then submitted himself to death even to death on a cross 
we should be willing to take the lowest place. Jesus told a parable uh, of a wedding banquet and said, look, when you walk in, don't try and get the best seat, the most prominent one. Take the lowest one. Be ready to accept that low place. This is the attitude of Christianity. It's not about pushing yourself to be prominent, but actually uh, being ready to humble yourself. And getting that attitude, it decouples us from the need for a, a status that can often fuel discontent with what we have. So don't push for the high position and then start to trust God's supply for your needs. Paul encourages this in verse 19. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Earlier, I mentioned the story of Joseph in the old testament well after pharaoh had those dreams he appointed joseph to be like his prime minister and said i want you to store up grain i want you to take some from everyone during the times of plenty then when there's times of need people will come to you and you can provide what they need and joseph is like a picture of jesus he's like a picture of god and people from all over would come to him in their times of need and be provided for and that's what it is like with god god is our provider Jesus said this, he said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. There's a Christian leader in the 19th century called George Muller, uh, and he, amongst other things, would run uh, a series of orphanages, and uh, he would trust God for the provision uh, for the orphans. He wouldn't make public what he needed. He wouldn't do kind of big announcements or circulars saying, this is what we currently have, this is what we need. When there were times of need, he would pray, and he'd ask God to meet the need. And there was one time that his supplies ran really low. They couldn't afford to buy any more food. So it looked like the orphans would be getting no breakfast. And so George was praying and he was asking God to meet this need. And in faith, even though our money or food hadn't come through, he still set the table for breakfast. And even though money and food still hadn't come through, he got the orphans to come down to the dining room and sit in their place. And even though money or food still hadn't come through, he said, Grace, he thanked God for what we are about to receive. And then there was a knock on the door and the knock on the door was from a local baker and the baker said George you know I've been up since about three in the morning I felt God wouldn't give me peace to sleep and I felt compelled that I had to get up and God wanted me to bake some bread for you guys and to bring it as a gift here's some bread can you make use of it absolutely he said see so he, he sends the bread round and uh, each of the kids gets something to eat then there's another knock on the door and it's, it's from the milkman he's like George my milk cart has just broke down outside your orphanage i can take it uh, back into the town to get it mended but I, I need to ditch the milk to do that could you make use of this milk absolutely says george he trusted god supplied i've had times in my own life where it's been similar i remember one time finding an, an old bank account that we we weren't uh, aware there was any money in just happened to check it and find 1500 pound in there on the same day that we'd had an unexpected bill for £1,500 that we were worried how we were going to pay and had been praying about. Finding contentment in times of lack, it's not ultimately rooted in what you know about financial management, although learning about financial management is a good thing to do. But finding contentment ultimately leans on what you know about God 
Do you know him? Do you trust him? Will you rely on him as your good and faithful provider? It's one thing to pray that prayer, give us our daily bread. It's another to pray in full trust and reliance that he will answer and that he will provide. So trust God for the supply, but also alongside that, be willing to accept the help of other people as it comes. In verse 18, Paul talks about uh, the gifts he'd received from the Philippians. And though he hadn't asked for them, nor was he too proud to accept help. You know, the, the times that I mentioned before where I felt God was uh, calling me to uh, move away from well-paid work for a while and do other things. During those times, there were so many people who generously gave gifts. So I actually one person gave me a car because they saw I had the need for one. Be ready to accept the help that God gives. And often God will give that help through other people, through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Although getting rich isn't the point, nor is poverty. There's no special virtue in being poor either. Accept the help that you need when it's an offer. The book of Proverbs uh, it says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Both of them have traps attached with them. But both can be done well as those stories at the start about Duncan the Ledge and that guy in Russia with no shirt will illustrate. But really the key to it all, the centerpiece of contentment is found in verse 13, where he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now this is often a, a misquoted Bible verse. You'll find this uh, commonly on coffee cups, on posters and uh, stuff like that. And uh, I mean, sports people love this verse. You know, like you'll get like a boxer going into the ring. I'm going to become the champion because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, well, what if your opponent's a Christian as well? And he can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's not about winning a boxing match or a sporting contest. It's not about actually uh, accomplishing anything. In context, this verse, I can do all things, is about I can endure all circumstances. I can do affluence. I can do poverty. I can do whatever lot I'm given. I can walk this well. I can have contentment in this. I can find joy in the Lord no matter my circumstances. Why? Because of him who strengthens me. Last week, Andy shared the story of Horatio Spafford, the guy who lost his business, lost his family, and then wrote that hymn, It is well with my soul. How could he do that in those circumstances? Through Christ who strengthens him. This is a great thing to remind ourselves of. You know, sometimes when I find my circumstances tough, I'll just want to consciously remind myself of it as I breathe in and breathe out. Remembering Christ is strengthening me. The word for breath is the same in the Greek as the word for Holy Spirit. And Christ strengthening me through his spirit. I like that visual reminder of it. Jesus told the parable of the sower. He talked about the different snares that stop the, the seed of what God's done in us, bringing forth a harvest. And actually one of the snares is um, getting drawn away into uh, material cares and going after riches. And another is the troubles of this world and, uh, and lack. Both can be challenges in our walks with God. And yet in both, it's God who provides the resources and the strengthening that we need physically, yes, and spiritually too. The ancient Israelites were fed day by day as God literally provided bread from heaven called manna. But Jesus said this, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The thing we need more than anything else 
It's not wealth or, or provision. It's Jesus Christ himself. It's to feed on him in our hearts with thanksgiving, to be nourished by him every single day. That's why we do meetings like this. This is why we gather together. Of course, part of it is we want to help you learn how to navigate times of plenty and times of need. But much more important than that is an invitation to be nourished by Jesus. Why don't you now look to him? Why don't you now just feed on him, draw on the strength that is in him? Let, let's pray, shall we? And then Colin will come back in as well. Lord, we, we thank you so much for all that you've provided. And thank you above all that you've provided your son. Lord, we thank you that he takes away our sins. Lord, we thank you that he brings us into relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you that he is like this heavenly bread that feeds and nourishes us every day of our lives. Lord, right now, let, let's draw close. Let's draw strength. Let's draw nourishment from you, I pray. Amen.